What a last couple of weeks we've had in Mavericks land. The team has a new coach, Jason Kidd, and a new GM, Nico Harrison. And it seems like the team is going to get serious about free agency and surrounding Luka with big-time talent. The higher authority, Chuck Cooperstein, Mavericks radio play-by-play voice, joins us to break down what to expect from what he calls a fascinating gambit. But first, don't look now, but the college football season is right around the corner and there could be big changes brewing for the college football playoff based here in Irving. CFP Executive Director Bill Hancock joins us to talk about those proposed wrinkles to the format, what it could mean for Dallas and SMU as a non-Power 5 program, and also tell some stories from his years of volunteering at the Olympics, along with a leadership lesson about the power of listening. Speaking of the Olympics, Laura Harris of NBC5 joins us to talk about how she'll be anchoring the network's news coverage from Tokyo during the Games. She tells us about the stories of so many local Olympians that she'll be bringing to us. She calls it Texas to Tokyo and back, hopefully with some hardware. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everybody. Kevin Sullivan here, joined, as always, by my co-host, Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, coming to you from Mic Drop Tower, in studio, the, the world headquarters of, of Vocal Media. Great to uh, be with you in person, Monica. Our next level intern, Marcus Carr, of course, is on an official Mic Drop assignment this week, so we're joined also by Olivia Petnicki. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Now... This is episode 20. We're still trying to get it right, but we haven't been kicked off the internet, so that's a good thing. Uh, I checked, and Olivia wore number four in her UNT Mean Green Volleyball days. So we don't have a connection there, but we do have a lot of good number 20s in Dallas sports history, starting with Mel Renfro, Jeff Burrows with the Rangers, Ed Belfour, the great Stars goalie. But for today, I'm thinking about Jeff Houston, an original Dallas Maverick, was a starting point guard, on opening day of the charter season, of course, he was a Texas Tech product, so we got that going for us. Had a very short career with the Mavericks, was traded in that flurry of trades to the Cleveland Cavaliers that brought back a bunch of number one picks. The number one pick we got for Jeff Houston became Detlef Shrimp, so that worked out pretty good, at least for a while. Also, this week in the news, we, despite the mic drop campaign over the last several weeks, Jason Robertson of the Stars Came in second for the Calder Trophy in the NHL, signifying the Rookie of the Year. Of course, Kapril, Kaprice, Kaprizov, Kaprizov of the Minnesota Wild won, uh, and he had a great season too. No Stars player has ever won the Calder Trophy, so so we'll look for that in the, in the future. Uh, but hoping to see some Rangers uh, make the All-Star game. You know, Adolis Garcia having a great year. Kyle Gibson throwing, throwing well. Uh, you know, what, what do you think? Well, definitely would like to see some Rangers uh, in that All-Star game. Uh, uh, you know, that's the All-Star game's uh, on our bucket list, too, of something that we would like to see return to North Texas here, especially with the new Globe Life Field. So uh, I think exciting times, and I think we should see some Rangers on, on that lineup. You know, it's interesting that when we had Pudge Rodriguez and Mark McLemore in previous Mike Drop episodes, they both sort of, you know, downplayed the benefit of air conditioning at Globe Life Field, almost like they saw it as a competitive advantage in the old days. Yeah, I think they the said they didn't mind uh, playing in the heat. That's what they played in uh, all the years growing up and uh, in their 
uh, professional careers. Uh, I, I definitely think uh, our fans, uh, from what I'm hearing, are enjoying uh, the new Globe Life field and the air conditioning and the roof, and I know it's definitely a competitive advantage for us uh, having those facilities here within the North Texas region of uh, being able to host different events because uh, uh, not having to weather, worry about the inclement weather, but then also our heat here in the in the summertime. Yeah, and our official mic drop position is pro air conditioning, so we'll so oh, we'll uh, go with that. Uh, yeah, any so, anytime you live in uh, Texas, I'm pretty sure you're pro air conditioning. Big another big week for the sports commission. Uh, fill us in on what's going on. With- yeah, earlier this week we had the uh, Concacaf Gold Cup uh, Trophy Tour. Uh, had a chance to take it out to FC Dallas game. We were at Cotton Bowl Stadium. Uh, some big uh, international events taking place starting July 10th. Uh, had the opportunity to, to secure these nine international soccer events for not only uh, AT&T Stadium, but Cotton Bowl Stadium will be hosting Gold Cup again uh, for, for the first time since the 90s. Uh, we've got Toyota Stadium, uh, our anchor group A has uh, Mexico and El Salvador uh, kind of leading uh, from a team standpoint. Uh, excited to once again uh, welcome Mexico back. Uh, we, you know, we consider Dallas to be their home away from home with a host of that Mex tour every year. Um, and this is really a special opportunity for us uh, as we are in the midst of the, the World Cup uh, 2026 bid. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to kind of host a, I won't say a mini World Cup, but uh, really to roll out the red carpet and show what the Dallas region can can do from our venue standpoint. Uh, Cotton Bowl Stadium, Toyota Stadium are two of our base camps that we had put forth to, to FIFA. Uh, obviously, AT&T Stadium is our, our, our world-class stadium that we would look to host the matches. Uh, we've been very forthcoming uh, with with FIFA that we want the final or, or uh, for sure a semifinal and uh, many other group stage uh, and quarterfinal matches. So it's a great opportunity to, to for us to kind of uh, work some kinks out and really show FIFA, look, we know how to host uh, international soccer. Uh, and it's a great, great opportunity for the fans. Uh, you know, obviously post-pandemic or still trying to work through the pandemic, um, opportunity for full capacity for fans to enjoy soccer. And even those who maybe they're not soccer fans to get out and, and, and support uh, uh, our Dallas region so that uh, we can uh, show FIFA that look it's it's more than a small group supporting this bid it's our entire community that's excited about this it was also exciting to see the Monica Paul media tour oh that, that accompanied the the, uh, <laughs> the gold cup trophy tour you were out there doing some tv and, and yes and yes Tony Faye PR team boy they they did have me uh, lined up uh this week uh, so that was a great opportunity out at Cotton Bowl Stadium um and then I was actually very busy this week uh, a few um uh, presentations, Host City Americas, uh, uh, international conference that was all virtual and online this year, but a uh, great opportunity to, sh- to share our Dallas story there. Uh, and then the Dallas Regional Chamber as well uh, to, to talk to Say Yes to Dallas program. So it's been a, it's been a good week. Great year for your Texas Longhorns on the baseball diamond, coming up a little bit short in Omaha. Congratulations to Mississippi State. The Bulldogs uh, won their first College World Series title, and it was kind of cool to see Dak Prescott there for the last two games, supporting his uh, his alma mater and uh, speaking in the in the locker room after uh, after the game. Pretty cool. Yes, uh, Dak always comes out to uh, support those uh, Mississippi State, and uh, I remember him in 2017 at the NCAA Women's Final Four, uh, where Mississippi State was playing and. Uh, had a phenomenal game, uh, and he was there front and center uh, at the game supporting those uh, um, 
student athletes and and those women on the court so it was very special and uh he's very passionate and i love to see that he continues to show support to his alma mater told the players you're living legends so embrace it so that's pretty cool we talked a few weeks ago about atp tennis returning to dallas next year with the dallas open local favorite john isner we were sad to see him upset at wimbledon he took a pretty tough fall uh, in his in his loss to yoshihito nishioka of japan and uh uh you know serena williams fell in her match uh, Djokovic fell in his match. The officials at Wimbledon chalked it up to unprecedented wet conditions, but tough way to see uh, to see John go down. Uh, but hopefully he's okay and we'll be uh, we'll be back competing uh, soon. Uh, so we'll we'll turn to to better news here in a few moments with Bill Hancock. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Powerhands is a global athletic training and rehabilitation product tech company that enhances human performance through the designs, innovative technology. If you are a coach, athlete, fitness enthusiast, Powerhands is for you. Who doesn't want to improve their overall performance and recovery? Even better, Powerhands is Dallas-based and a portion of every product purchased. Helps provide athletic and academic programs to youth and underserved communities. Go to powerhands.com and improve your athletic performance today. Thanks, Rachel. Happy to be joined now, Monica, by by Bill Hancock, the first full-time director of the NCAA Final Four, the first executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. Bill, that was not the easiest job you ever had. Uh, First executive director of the college football playoff, and it was Bill who so skillfully led the conference commissioners and university presidents to create the college football playoff. On behalf of sports fans everywhere, we thank Bill Hancock for that. Bill is a fascinating guy. He runs marathons. He's a cyclist. Began his, his five-decade career back in 1971 when he became the assistant sports information director at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, love, 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 love big-time successful people who started in the sports information office. Uh, then after doing that for a few years, Bill sort of hopped the, the fence uh, and succeeded, I, I believe succeeded his dad as the editor of his hometown paper, the Hobart Oklahoma Democrat chief. So Bill's got experience on, on that side of the PR media uh, relationship. Did that for a few years before returning to intercollegiate athletics at the, at the Big 8. Career was off and running. Hearty congratulations to Bill for being named by the Sports Business Journal to its 2021 class uh, of champion pioneers and innovators in sports business. That is a big deal and well-deserved. Bill is soon headed off to Tokyo for the Summer Olympics. It'll be his 14th on the volunteer media staff of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. We're going to talk Olympics in a minute. But, Monica, I know you've got some questions for Bill about the expansion of the college football playoff that we've been reading about. Yes, Bill, welcome to the mic drop. Monica, thank you. Before you ask, I have to say this. Uh, You talked about jersey number 20, and I realize we're just talking about Dallas. But, Sully, I'm a little disappointed that Monica didn't mention Earl Campbell. Oh, gosh. Epic fail on my part. Epic fail. <laughs> but Bill, uh, we, and, and I've got to get in a little plug for Billy Sams. <laughs> That's good. We, we appreciate you embracing the spirit of our episode 20 theme. So, so way to go, Bill. <laughs> you know, Bill, I didn't know about this Oklahoma stint here. So I'm, uh, I've become a little bit disappointed here as Sully was going through that, but I'm going to forgive you for, for that part. And we're, we're going to move on here. Um, Obviously, uh, CFP is uh, definitely in the news, uh, possibly expanding to 
to 12 teams. Can you give our listeners a kind of what's the latest and what are the next steps? Well, the latest is uh, we had a committee who made a recommendation to go from four to 12 uh, without an implementation date. Uh, and the, the thrust of it was really just more participation. And we are now in the middle of a beginning, a study period that will last through the summer, at least until September, uh, where we consult with university presidents, athletic directors, faculty, uh, players, coaches, uh, about what they would think about expanding the field. Um, and we have some conversations we need to have with the bowl games and also with our television partner. Those will take place over the next three or four months. Um, nothing is imminent. There won't be a change this year and then not next year. Um, my view of it is as soon as we could change is uh, 23 regular season. But we do have contracts that extend through 25, 26. So um, if we do change, we'll have to do some rejiggering of, com of contracts. It's a complex matter, but the committee just came out and felt like for more participation, uh, expansion was uh, was what they wanted to recommend. So, uh, I mean, obviously we, we've been a host of the CFP National Championship game, uh, the inaugural season back in 2015. Uh, our Cotton Bowl Classic, Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, is a, a one of the, you know, New Year's Six Bowl games. What could this expansion mean for Dallas or the, the, the Cotton Bowl Classic uh, and other Dallas venues? What opportunities are there there? There will be six bowl games participating uh, if this gets approved. Uh, they will rotate as hosts of the quarterfinals and semifinals. So four quarterfinals each year and two semifinals. Um, we have six bowls now. We haven't started the process of determining whether those six or a, a different uh, group might be a, a part of this. But I have to say we are very happy with the six bowls that we have. And side note, commercial have to tell you how happy we were and proud we were of the job that the Cotton Bowl and AT&T Stadium did in hosting the Rose Bowl game this year. It was unthinkable uh, that, that you could move a major sporting event to a different city uh, on just a few weeks notice. But thanks to the good work of the stadium people and also Rick Baker and his staff and, and tremendous job by the Rose Bowl staff, uh, it happened. I don't think there's many cities that could have pulled off an event like that on such short notice. So pat ourselves on the back to, uh, to, the, to the Metroplex for, for making that happen. Yeah, I, I'm not sure there's too many uh, people better than uh, Rick Baker and the team that he has there and uh, what, what they have done for, for that bowl game, for the entire region, the Metroplex, college football and that. So very glad to have them in, as partners. And I echo um, the partnership that we have with AT&T Stadium and how they host events. So. Um, you know, Monica, let me interrupt one more time for, for yep. another quick commercial message, because we know what kind of facilities we have in Dallas, yep. uh, just, just incredible facilities, but it's also about people mm -hmm. and people like you and Rick Baker and, and, the, and, the, and the people at the stadiums who make things like this happen. That gets overlooked sometimes. Yeah, we, you can have great facilities, great airports, great hotels, uh, great sports venues, but if you don't have the people, you got nothing. And we have both in Dallas. I thank you for that, and I don't think I could have said it better than that. I Every day uh, to do my job, I am very thankful and uh, grateful for the uh, the people that uh, are our partners and that come to come to the table with us every day. That's a testimonial worthy of the website. I, I, yeah, 
I agree. I like that. It's, it's pretty powerful going into holiday weekend, too. Um, Bill, one last question. So, obviously, SMU here in, in Dallas in our backyard, a non-Power 5 program. Uh, in this proposal being considered, what might be their pathway to, to the CFP National Championship? The new proposal calls for the 12 teams to be the six highest ranked conference champions, uh, plus six at large teams. And uh, obviously, I've talked to Gerald Turner about this, and 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 uh, he and Rick are both both happy with it and hope it goes through. Um, gives them a, more of a chance than they have now. Although I, I maintain that everybody has a chance under the CFP to start the season, play a good schedule, win your games, and you're going to be in the hunt. And look no further than our a Texas team a few years ago when Houston did that, uh, had a great schedule, was successful. And then they stumbled. Actually, they stumbled against SMU that year, but, but they had it all teed up. So, uh, but but this, this this will be good for everybody and, and, and good for college football if it goes through. Well, it's be- definitely been good to see the resurgence of SMU uh, here over the past few years and really look forward to seeing this uh uh, what the research shows and how this plan develops. So we'll definitely uh, keep a watch out and an ear out uh, as things move forward. Bill, shifting gears a little bit, the Tokyo Olympics begin on July 23rd. <clears throat> You're headed there on the 17th. Tell our listeners, you know, this is you and I met in Sydney in 2000 at the Olympics. Uh, and I know you've done this. You have one of the cooler jobs at the Olympics. But I have two questions. Tell our listeners what you and your wife, Nikki, do as part of the volunteer staff at the Olympics, but also why you continue to do it with all that you have on your plate and all the big jobs you've had, why you keep going back to the Olympics. We do have a great opportunity to work for the USOPC uh, as, as volunteers. And we, as you remember, we spend most of the day in, in an office uh, doing our jobs. Uh, I work with the media. I determine uh, media seating arrangements for some of the uh, the, the events where the seating is too small to accommodate all the reporters. Um, Tokyo will be fascinating. It will be different. Um, I went to the CFP championship game in Miami. That was different. I went to the final four in Indianapolis. That was different, mostly because of the fewer fans than usual. But the competition was the same. And the competition in Tokyo will be just as, as heated and, and just as fun for the athletes what I love about the Olympics is that element, that it's a carnival. It's a worldwide festival where people of the world come together just to have fun and, and compete and get to know each other. There's nothing else like it in the world. Uh, that's what I love about the Olympics, and that's why I keep going back. Do you have a favorite Olympic moment from, from your, your 13 prior Olympics? Oh, my goodness, moments. Well, being with you in Sydney, of course, would be number one, two, three. <laughs> and we had Vancouver. Four. We had Vancouver, too. We had Vancouver too. Yep, we did. Uh, moments, uh, Carl Lewis's success, um, being in the stadium in Barcelona and, and sitting there near the front and seeing a guy come up in front of us on the field and he's got a quiver and, and, and arrows and uh, someone lights one of the arrows. And I'm thinking, what in the world is this guy going to do? I could have reached out and touched him. And of course, he lit the flame with the with the flaming arrow, which was just remarkable. And he was a Paralympian. Um, if most I'm not of mistaken. it is, is is competition. Michael Phelps, uh, Michael Johnson. You could just go on and on. But but my primary memories are are the people, uh, children on the streets, wide eyed at meeting this 
person with these weird colored eyes from America. <laughs> um, just someone just talking to people, spreading the word that we are a global community and, and we're here to help each other and hug each other. Th th those are my favorite memories. We had Molly Solomon, the NBC uh, production chief on last week, and she said these could be the most meaningful games of our lifetime because we're all craving a shared experience and that these games really could serve to bring people together. Do you, do you see it that way too? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, th they always do. But in this case where we've all been so far apart, uh, I, think it, I think it will be even more meaningful this year. As you know, however, uh, there will be no international fans allowed into Japan. There will be some Japanese fans uh, up to 50% of the capacity of the stadiums up to a maximum of 10,000. So the track and field stadium where you normally have 80,000 people in the stands and singing God Save the Queen and whatever, uh, that won't happen this year. It, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a lot like what we experienced in, in, in American football last fall and also college basketball and NBA also. But meaningful, absolutely, and frankly, the experience of a lifetime. Well, you're, you're one of the great relationship people that, that I've ever encountered in, in knowing you 20-plus years. And it, it occurs to me, all the things that you've accomplished, you take on these big problems. You're talking about the expansion of the college football playoff and the complexities, which may mean t convincing the Rose Bowl that they're not going to be on January 1st every year. Say a few words about the keys to, to, to being successful, to getting things done at the level that you have. What are the personal and professional qualities? And we have a lot of young listeners to the mic drop, Monica students from SMU. What are the qualities that, that, that have enabled you to bring people together and, and, and get things done at such a big level? Well, thank you, Sully. I appreciate that. Coming from you, that means a lot. Um, I'll give you one word, listen. Too many people think they have all the answers. And, and I'm, I've been in this business a long time, 50 years, and I know that I don't have all the answers. So listen, everybody has a story. Everybody has a point of view that needs to be heard and validated. Uh, so I guess if I've done one thing, it's, it's listen, as well as and going along with that is uh, treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, life is not very complicated if, if you stick to that rule. So, Bill, you've uh, been very, very successful. All of these firsts, as we go back and kind of look and uh, remember what Sully did in, in the intro, but I have to know, what is left on your bucket list? You know, a few things are, uh, I've never been to a football game at College Station. Oh, well. Wow. I would... Yeah. <laughs> well, now, I, now, I'm now, not now, sure now. that that should be high up on the bucket list. Okay, <laughs> I've never been. I've never been to a game in Michigan at uh, at the Big House, and and that's on my list. Uh, I've I've really I've really done done uh, pretty much everything else I want to do. I'm kind of ready to start all over. Uh, I'd like to go back to LSU for another Saturday night game. Um, as you can tell, most of it's college football, but I, I've, I've been to Cameron Indoor Stadium, uh, Allen Fieldhouse. Um, it's, it's the, when you get to a certain point in your life, you think, you know what? <laughs> How lucky am I that my bucket list, what remains of it, is pretty short. I've been to the Tour de France, oh, wow. which may be my favorite event of all time. Um, and, and Sully, I know you've done a lot of these things. Monica, you have too. We're, we're just so lucky to get to work in this industry. Gratitude, yep. baby. Gratitude. Right. 
Well, Bill, I really uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we will definitely look forward to having you on lo- later in the year uh, as we approach uh, the college football season and, and, and hear what uh, your, your committee and CFP decides to do, kind of next step. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Monica and Sully. Great to see both of you. Take care. All right. Safe travels. And now uh, a word from our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rachel. It's now our pleasure to welcome to the mic drop Chuck Cooperstein, regular on the Dallas-Fort Worth media sports scene since his arrival at KRLD. I remember it well. In 1984, we were both very young. For the past 14 years, he's been the outstanding radio play-by-play, the energetic, interesting, and always well-prepared radio play-by-play voice of the Dallas Mavericks on ESPN 103.3. Prior to joining the Mavericks, I mean, Chuck's done it all. Any college football, basketball, NFL games on Westwood One, he's, he's won awards for his play-by-play from the Dallas Press Club. I, I uh, proud product of the University of Florida. If you follow Chuck on, on social media, you're gonna get some of that. But for me, you know, when I really knew I was going to like Chuck, this was many, many years ago. He was was one of the he was hosting a talk show. I forget if it was the ticket or farther back than that. And his bumper music was "Take the Highway" by the Marshall Tucker Band. <laughs> so I came to know that Chuck, like me, is a Southern rock uh, aficionado. So Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, absolutely. But much beyond to my beloved Allman Brothers band and the Tuckers and, and others. So with that, Coop, welcome to the mic drop. Sully, as uh, I told uh, Tony the other day when uh, they asked me to come on with you, they said it would be with you. And I always said, when Mr. Sully says jump, I say how high. No, no, no. Come on now. <laughs> oh, yes. Take it easy. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, so let's get right to it, Chuck. It's, it's fun having you on. What's your take on the the arrival, the appointment of Nico Harrison as GM, and uh, the naming of, of uh, our old pal Jason Kidd as head coach. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating gambit uh, by the Mavericks. Um, and, I mean, in some ways, it's, it's very different. Uh, just from plucking somebody from out of the NBA, from uh, outside of the NBA world and, and putting him in the midst of that, um, or now, I mean, he's been a part of the NBA ecosystem, but he's not been a part of a team culture before. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Jason Kidd, who's uh, now on his third go round with the team. And uh, the first time didn't end so well. The second time actually didn't end well, even though there was a magnificent moment uh, inside of it. Uh, and now we'll see a third time as a coach. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, a, it's a different world. Uh, it will be a different look without Donnie and without Rick. And I think, uh, you know, before everybody uh, either condemns it or thinks it's the greatest thing that ever was, I think really it's it's the ultimate wait and see. Uh, you know, Jason's had um, kind of a mixed career as a coach, uh, but maybe these last two years as an assistant uh, in Los Angeles, 
uh, has given him a different perspective than what he had simply being a head coach prior in Brooklyn and Milwaukee. And uh, in Nico's case, you know, let's face it, what, what's the, been, been the overarching question about the Mavericks in the era of free agency? Why can't the Mavericks attract a big fish, quote unquote, the, the biggest name free agent? Uh, we all love our town and we all think, uh, you know, certainly the Mavericks organization has been such that, um, you know, they've been uh, just with really one down period of three years in, in the Cuban era. And they've really been a, a, a pretty consistent product and a winner. Um, but, you know, why hasn't that big name wanted to come here? Well, they're playing the relationship game now. And, you know, Nico, and I've never met Nico, but everybody who's met him just absolutely loves him. Uh, but does that translate into bringing people to Dallas, bringing players to Dallas to ultimately allow them to uh, have the best chance to win a championship? And only time will tell on that. We just had a conversation with Bill Hancock about the power of relationships. And so I think you're right on Nico. He has deep relationships with players, with agents, uh, and hopefully that translates. And I think it will. I think it, it is an interesting uh time and place to, to bring somebody in with those relationships. But how will, how given the limitations with draft picks and salary cap and how did Nico and, and Michael Finley, let's not forget about Finn uh, and their crew, how do they go about surrounding Luca with the type of talent needed to, to advance in the playoffs, which, which hasn't happened in recent years? Well, obviously, as we've seen, uh, no contract is untradeable. <laughs> we saw that with Chris Paul last year. Uh, and now we're seeing the result of uh, Phoenix acquiring Chris Paul. Um, you know, uh, so any, any, any trade is possible. There, there's not a lot of capital for them right now. They don't have a draft choice in the upcoming draft. They'd have to trade to get into the draft. I'm not sure that, that it's necessarily worth the trouble to do that. And, you know, what's interesting about the Mavericks is really over the last 10 years is that they have you – no. Know, sometimes tried to skip steps. They've not really taken the draft very seriously. They've, they've tried to, uh, you know, surround first Dirk, uh, you know, toward the end of his career with as many veterans as possible, because ultimately I mean, you do win with veteran players. And even, you know, a team like Phoenix, you know, which has some younger players like Aiton and Bridges or whatever. Uh, but you know what? Booker's been around. Chris Paul's obviously been around. Jake Crowder has been around. I mean, those, those guys, uh, really, uh, you know, just are kind of ballast to how teams win. Teams generally just don't show up and win. Um, so, uh, you know, generally you have to build something. You've got to, you've got to, uh, you know, and do it. You know, the Mavericks have been fortunate in that uh, you've had the likes of Dorian Finney-Smith and, and Maxi Kleba that have come through as undrafted free agents and, and have been able to help them uh, and ultimately sign very team-friendly contracts. But ultimately, you've got to draft well, you've got to develop players, uh, you, you've got to trade well. Uh, everything is out in the open for them. Uh, but, you know, in the short term, I, I think it's going to be very difficult to, to see, you know, this huge jump in expectation. I think, again, no one's patient in the world anymore, Sully. <laughs> I mean, they all want it yesterday. And that's not, I think, going to be the case here, even as the pressure to win with the presence of Luca and the extension uh, with the contract that's coming up here uh, grows even larger. It's a media chatter since the season ended about needing to get Luca more help. 
at, at the point guard position, like maybe relieve some of that burden. Of course, Jay Kidd being a Hall of Fame point guard, how do you think they approach the, you know, not not naming names, but just who, what type of, of role should Luca be in, and what type of player would you ideally they go after to help put him in position to 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 be at, at his absolute best? I mean, I don't know. I, I think the ideal situation, quite frankly, would be what Houston had a couple of years ago when Harden and Chris Paul were together. I mean, that team should have won a championship and didn't win a championship because Chris Paul tore his hamstring in game six or game five of that series, missed the last two games against Golden State and lost. Uh, <clears throat> but you don't want to take it completely out of Lucas' hands. But at the same time, uh, you know, you, you have to be able to have some secondary ball uh, uh, offense creation. You just can't have one guy, you know, trying to break everybody down and make it happen. As we've seen in the playoffs, and we even saw it really in the in the series with the Clippers, you know, Luca would start out like a house on fire, and then by the fourth quarter, he'd be exhausted because the Clippers just kept running people at him, and the Mavericks didn't have anyone really to take the pressure off him. Frankly, I was surprised that, that Jalen Brunson struggled as he did in the series after the first game, because to me, he, he really could be that type of player. You're not a 20 point a game guy, but again, but a guy who, uh, you know, you give him the ball and he knows what he's doing out there, but uh, he, he just did not play well in the series. And it put even more pressure on Doncic to play more minutes than he's ever played before. And at times he wore down. And so I think that the goal is to try to get, you know, that type of secondary ball handler, somebody who can, you know, get you uh, 18 to 18 to 20 a game uh, and take some of the pressure off of uh, Doncic so that he doesn't have to initiate everything down the floor. You can make him more versatile by putting him in the post because nobody's really going to be able to guard him down there. Uh, and, and it just, I think it would make your offense better, but again, uh, uh, I'm not paid the big bucks for that. Uh, I'll, I'll let those who are uh, in the in the, the war rooms uh, uh, at the at the Mavericks offices figure that out. Oh yeah, Chuck. I think it's gonna it's gonna be a a wait and see uh, for sure to see how all of this plays out. But I'm gonna switch gears a little bit on you. You know, a lot of these professional athletes have superstitions or a pregame routine to to you know really um, ensure they're on their game and uh, at top performance. Uh, you are meticulous uh, as you prepare for each broadcast. Uh, what is your pregame routine? Uh, how do you go about that? Uh, is that once I get to the arena or is that just getting? All of it, I think. I, I think it's all baked into a, to a pregame routine to get you mentally on, on point. Well, it really is because you know people say, "Well, how long does it prepare to do, uh, do you prepare to do a game?" And the answer is, I never stop yeah. because I'm always reading. Uh, I'm talking to people. I'm I'm looking for something that I might be able to use. Uh, or you know, listen, because if the game is really good, eighty-five uh, percent of what you prepare for, you're really not going to use because the game will just carry itself. It's really for those times when you. Uh, when it's a bad game, that you're, you're looking for something, some type of anecdote, uh, whether it be statistical or just a, a story uh, that you've read or a story that someone has told you uh, that uh, can, can get you through to the end of the game. Uh, so from that standpoint, the preparation never ends. But really on, on a game, uh, say the Mavericks play on Tuesday and next game not till Thursday, uh, 
you know, I'll wake up early the next morning and I'll start doing the work uh, for the following game and I'll update it to, you know, that the Mavericks generally don't take very long once you, you just really are updating numbers. But when you're doing the opponent, it takes a little more time to, to go through the players and go through any statistical trends and everything that you might know about them already. Uh, and generally speaking, the, the book that I use, the score book that I use and that has my notes, it generally takes about a uh, little over two hours, two, two and a half hours uh, to do. But again, then, you, then you're just always reading and you're talking to people and you're just trying to figure it out. Uh, you know, back in the, in, in the world when we used to actually be in arenas and hopefully we'll be in arenas <laughs> again soon, uh, you know, I would, I, uh, for a home game, I like to get to the arena about uh, two and a half hours before um, I'll, I'll eat dinner. Uh, the, the news conferences with the, with the teams generally are at uh, uh, 105 minutes and 90 minutes before tip. Uh, in the era of Zoom, I was able to to do both of those uh, in in a real in a real life world uh, because of just the time I would never really get to visit with the opponents all that much, which uh, was somewhat regrettable. But um, but uh, I would I would listen to you know Rick Carlisle's news conference, and then I would go and do my pregame interview with him. Um, come back out on the floor. Uh, do a pregame hit with the radio station about an hour before tip-off, and then uh, go upstairs about 40 minutes before tip and just lay everything out on the table and get ready to go do a game. So you grew up in Long Island. Uh, was play-by-play -play your, your dream? Pretty early on uh, because I knew I wasn't going to grow up to be 6'10", 6'10", like Willis Reed, and uh, I knew I wasn't going to stand on the practice tee and hit 500 balls a day and be the next Jack Nicholas, uh, but I knew I could talk and I knew I loved sports and that was going to be my way in. Uh, and, and obviously growing up in New York, there's more sports there than there is anywhere else in the world uh, as, as far as professional teams are concerned. Uh, so uh, it, it became pretty evident to me that uh, if I was, that I wanted to stay in sports because the only other thing I think I might've been able to do was be a lawyer like my dad. And I really didn't want to go to law school uh, and then have three additional years of education. Maybe I should have used it, but I really didn't want to do it. And this, and this was going to be my way in. And so there you go. Well, Chuck, if you had to leave one nugget for some of my uh, students over at SMU, I, I have a lot uh, each semester that, you know, may decide that they want to be in broadcast or, or sports or even sports media. What, uh, what one nugget of advice would you leave for them? Don't let anybody tell you no. Don't let them tell you no. Don't, don't ever believe that you can't do it because it only takes one person to love you. It only takes one person to uh, allow you the opportunity to get in the door. And then once you're in the door, it's your responsibility to take care of business. But if you want to do it, uh, go for it. Um, and, and especially today, um, while play-by-play you know, -play jobs are hard and, and sports radio jobs are hard. Uh, there are so many different ways to be able to present yourself that that never existed when when I was going to college or just starting out in the business uh, that uh, that it can be done if you want it to be done. Well, Chuck, we're glad that you got it done. You do a fantastic job with the Mavericks. We enjoy the broadcast. Thanks for coming on the show. And we're going to be following your description, a fa fascinating gambit 
Uh, and the ultimate wait and see. We're waiting and see, yep. seeing how it all, all turns out. Uh, all the best to you, Chuck, and thanks for joining us here on the Mic Drop. Sully, Monica, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, we'll be back in a moment with Laura Harris from NBC5. But first, let's go to Rachel. Looking to get out of the house in a safe way? Try having a relaxing weekend at the spa or a fun family staycation for spring break. The Omni Dallas Hotel is right in the heart of downtown, within walking distance to some of the area's best restaurants and unique shopping. The Uptown Terrace Infinity Pool is a family-friendly retreat during the day and a great place to watch a romantic sunset over the Dallas skyline at night. Go to omnihotels.com Dallas for the best offers and plan your post-quarantine staycation today. Because why? Big wins happen here. Okay, we're pleased to be joined here on the mic drop by Laura Harris of NBC5. She's a Emmy Award and Associated Press Award-winning journalist who joined the NBC5 team back in September of 2018 from the ABC affiliate in, in Tampa. Now, uh, Laura, it's now known as Champa Bay because of all the success the teams are having there. We're not going to hold you personally responsible. You leave and everybody starts winning, and now you're here. We're not going to go there. Uh, Monica, I don't think you're one of those people. I'm not either who gets up really early in the morning. No. But if for those who do get up really early in the morning, you can see Laura uh, co-anchoring the NBC Today, NBC Five Today weekday morning show from 4:30 a.m. to 7. That is not a typo. I said 4:30 a.m. She's one of those early risers. She was also a Division One athlete, a soccer goaltender at Georgia Southern University. Go Eagles! Uh, and she soon heads to Tokyo for NBC's coverage of the upcoming Summer Olympics underway July 23rd. Laura, welcome to the mic drop. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. And I do accept all responsibility for Tampa Bay now being Champa Bay. It's title town. It is what it is. Well, uh, then you're going to have uh, high pressure here because we're going to expect that of you here in Dallas now. Okay. we get You got to turn it around. Get our it's teams back up there. Okay. It's what I do. <laughs> What tell us what your role will be uh, in Tokyo for NBC's coverage of the Olympics? All right, so we're going to make sure that we keep you all informed with everything that's happening with our local Olympians. So when I say local Olympians, I mean the people in North Texas as well as those all across Texas. And we've got some really, really good names, especially on the track. So every day you will see me live. Now I'm going to do all these times in North Texas time. So it's going to be 10 p.m. live. 5 a.m. live, 6 a.m. live, and then we'll do a little something in our show called the Olympic Zone Show that's going to air at 7 p.m. as well. And I'm telling you those times in your local time here because I do believe it's 13 or 14 hours ahead in Tokyo. So there will be times where I'm on the air and it's live, but I'm actually in the future. I'm into the next day. Laura, I'm, I'm a NBC Sports and Olympics alum, worked there uh, during three Olympics a number of years ago. And I know the affiliate program that you're talking about with the Olympic zone. And I'm glad to see with all the challenges that local media has faced that this program still exists where local uh, affiliates can send someone like you to go cover their local athletes because the stories of the athletes are what really uh, hold us together. And we're looking for a, a terrific shared experience this time, especially after all that we've been through. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that's what's most important this year is that the world has been through so much, right? So this is going to be the first event that we've actually gotten together as the globe and been able to get together. And we're going to do it the safest way we can. I mean, we already have what they call 
a media playbook. It's about this thick. I should have actually brought it so you could see it. And it gives us all the information on what we're allowed to do, what we can't do, the quarantine process, if you're vaccinated, if you're not vaccinated, that sort of thing. So they're going to do this as safe as they can, but at the same time, it is going to be a tremendous feat and really a success. Once they've said it's all said and done, I guess it's gonna be August 10th, 11th when we get back here and just be able to say that we were all a part of history. We were a part of something that we, a lot of us didn't think was going to happen. Well, Laura, it definitely seems like uh, if you're on at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. live, it's time for us to all begin waking up a little bit earlier uh, and get prepared for that. And I'm going to go with uh, part of this intro here where uh, Sully says you were a soccer goalkeeper at Georgia Southern. Uh, you know, we are in the midst of a World Cup bid, and you're talking, you know, Olympics are very global. Uh, uh, once you get back from Tokyo, uh, you you may uh, receive an email or a follow-up from me. I would love to get you involved in our in our bid and really support this uh, soccer initiative that we have coming up. But I really have one last question. Uh, is Meredith Land really that nice? She is. <laughs> <laughs> she is. But I will tell you, all of the anchors here are really that nice. You know, people ask me questions about people all the time when I'm out about, I'll be in the gym and somebody will say, because a little secret secret here, Brian Curtis and I work out at the same gym. And it's so funny because people will come up to me and they'll say, is that Brian Curtis? Because they can't tell that it's any of us when we're not wearing makeup and not wearing actual clothes. So is that Brian Curtis? I'm like, that's him. And they're like, is he as nice as he seems like? They all are. Everybody here is, we just have such a nice crew and people who just wanna make sure that we're putting forth information that's easily understandable, but also giving people what they need to hear. And Meredith is one of the main people who does that every day. She's a mainstay in this community, super sweet person, an amazing mom. I can't say enough good things about her. So yes, she's just as nice, if not nicer than what you think. I, I, I believe it, she's, she, you know, she's awesome. Uh, so this is the part of the program, Laura, where we ask our guests, what are you downloading? What are you streaming lately? It could be sports related, doesn't have to be. So what are, you, what are you up to? What are you watching, reading, listening to? Could be music, book, podcast, TV, movie. What do you got for us? Okay, so I got a lot of different things. Um, and especially going to Tokyo for this 13 and a half hour flight, I've been thinking of some of the things that I wanna download. First things first, I'm re-watching Power. So this is a show that's on stars, very, very good. Um, it's a, basically about a drug kingpin in New York City, and he's trying to pass himself off as this legit businessman and all the things that you can imagine that come with it. So it's on stars. Um, I've just been watching it on the stars app just to kind of catch back up because I, I think it's that good. I just wanted to see it all over again. So that's what I'm streaming right now. Um, the last book that I read, I'm trying to, the book that I'm reading right now is called The Guest List. It's very strange, but very good. Um, so I'm one of those people, I try to read a book a month, not a children's book, it's actually a chapter book. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I try to read a book a month, but I think uh, my favorite book that I've read thus far very recently was I read Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. It was just, an, it was incredibly done. Uh, of course it's nonfiction. Um, so those are the books that I'm reading or that I have read and then, um, I think that's about it. I, I, I still buy the actual book. I don't do the tablet reading. I like to turn the pages and see that I've actually made it somewhere. So I need to go pick up a couple more books before I leave for Tokyo to make sure that I've got enough to do on this, this flight. 
that's going to be apparently, I think, eight to nine hours over water. If you can believe that, we're going to be over water for that long. That that is a long that's a long way to go. So what what do you uh, what's your download for us, uh, Monica? Well, I, my download has been our human rights plan for uh, our World Cup bid. Uh, you know, normally I I might do some Netflix or or something like that, but uh, this week our our plan was due uh, yesterday. Uh, we were able to get that in, and with you know the Olympics and all, all major events, obviously uh, human rights and and the planning that. Uh, the countries and and the cities do for that to ensure that all the fans and the athletes are are, are treated respectfully and have a fantastic time. Uh, this is our first draft that we were able to turn in for FIFA, so looking forward to uh, an opportunity to receive some feedback, but very thankful at the same time that we were able to go through this exercise to, one, shine some light on uh, where we are uh, from a Dallas region and a community, things that we can work on. Uh, and really opportunity to engage stakeholders much uh, early on in the process in this bid. Well, my download is not as important as that as your download, and it's not as intellectual and, and sophisticated as, as Laura's uh, books that she suggested, but uh, I, I downloaded uh, yesterday the, the book 12 Mighty Orphans by Jim Dent, written in 2007, of course tells the story of the uh, orphanage in Fort Worth where the famous coach Rusty Russell put together a team that would kind of take the, 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 the state by storm and inspire the nation. And of course, there's a movie out now, and I'm hoping maybe to get to see it, if not this weekend, soon. So I haven't seen the movie yet, but there are tons of Dallas-Fort Worth connections to this movie. The producer, Houston Hill, I think is an East Texas guy, but it's kind of interesting. Uh, Mike Barr, a former defensive coordinator at SMU, and his son, Matt Barr, who's an actor of some, of some renown, purchased the film rights in 2008. So this movie is 14 years in the making. At one point, uh, Matt had hoped to play, he was 24, he hoped to play the 17-year-old uh, uh, running back in the movie who's kind of the star. He aged out of that, stayed, stayed involved as executive producers. The movie's out now. And uh, Mike Barr said that while it's a football movie, the feedback he's gotten that moms and women like it even more than men do because it's so inspirational and uplifting. So my download is a combination of the book and movie, 12 Mighty Orphans. Uh, check it out soon, as well as the recommendations from, from Laura and all the best with the human rights plan as the latest uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the World Cup bid for 2026. And Laura, uh, before we let you go, you mentioned you're going to be bringing to us the stories of the local athletes. Who are a couple that we should be be, be uh, looking for uh, that you'll be reporting on from Tokyo. Yeah, so I know you guys know who Shakiri Richardson is. As she always says, don't forget the name. So Shakiri Richardson is going to be running the 100 meters uh, in Tokyo. She actually went to Dallas's Carter High School. We just interviewed her former coach and some um, track stars who are now at the school now. And just everybody's super excited for this young lady. And she was a standout at LSU. And now, I mean, she is one of the favorites to win Olympic gold at her young age. So that's an awesome one that we're going to be watching. Also on the track, Ronnie Baker. He was a former TCU standout, two-time All-American, all kinds of accolades with that young man. He's also running the 100 meter. Uh, he's currently the second fastest man in America. So we're keeping our fingers crossed for him that he makes it on the podium. And as he says, hopefully for that Olympic gold. Um, in the pool, we're going with Haley Hernandez out of South Lake. She's actually going to be a diver. Really cool story about her. So Haley graduated high school a month before 
she went to Olympic trials and made the diving team. 27 women were there, two of them made it. She's 18 years old and going to the Olympics on the diving team. So just an incredible story there. Lots of other ones. We've got Jasmine Moore, who's from Grand Prairie. She actually goes to the University of Georgia now. She's gonna be in the triple jump. Oh my goodness, I could go on for days. We've got a, a young man, Brian Err, who's gonna be in karate. Karate is the first, this is the first time karate has been in the Olympics. Kat Osterman has come out of retirement to help Team USA, hopefully for redemption uh, in USA softball. I mean, I literally could go on for days. I feel like, and we've been joking in the newsroom, we feel like everybody who's going to be at the Olympics is going to be somehow from Texas. So we just know when we get off the plane, we're gonna just be walking through the airport. It's gonna be like, don't I know you? Don't I know you? So <laughs> there's a lot of Texas pride that's going to be happening in this Olympics. So I, I like to call it Texas to Tokyo and back. So hopefully we're going to have a lot of awesome stories to tell you all and a lot of hardware to bring back to North Texas. Well, that is awesome. I know you mentioned the books you're, you've been reading. You've also been deep into that research binder. I, I, I can tell you're already ready to go. So. Can you tell? Can you yeah. tell that I've just now memorized? You know, when I first started this, uh, I guess it was back in February, I found out that the station wanted me to go. And I was just thinking to myself, how am I supposed to memorize all this? How am I supposed to know all of this? It's incredible how much you retain when you have to. Kind of like when we were in college and we mm -hmm. knew we didn't study that great. We needed to hurry up and, and get that <laughs> studying going. That, that's what it's been like. So yeah, I feel, I feel like we're as prepared as we're ever going to be. I feel like I've been running the marathon with them. So it's going to be really fun to see. Well, Laura, thanks for joining us. Everybody watch, watch power on stars and read the cast and read the guest list. And good luck to Monica watch 12 mighty orphans when it comes out starring, of course, Dallas's own uh, Luke Wilson and Robert Duvall, Martin Sheen, some others shot around here. So, so really cool. Thanks to, to, uh, to, to Laura, uh, and Bill Hancock and Chuck Cooperstein, our guest this week. Thanks to the Mike Drop production team, Chris Amelia, Amanda Larder, Olivia Petnicki, Marcus Carr, who had the week off, and our visionary and showrunner, Tony Fay. On behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.